0: Chapter fourteen, part two of the wonderful adventures of Nils by Selma Lagerlof. Translated by Velma Swanston Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gerald Moe, Tucker, Georgia. The Two Cities, the Living City. Monday, April eleventh on the afternoon of easter monday the wild geese and thumbietot were on the wing they travelled over gotland the large island lay smooth and even beneath them the ground was checked just as it was in Skane, and there were many churches and farms but there was this difference however that there were more leafy meadows between the fields here and then the farms were not built up with small houses And there were no large manors with ancient tower-ornamented castles. The wild geese had taken the route over Gotland on account of Thumbietot. He had been altogether unlike himself for two days, and hadn't spoken a cheerful word. This was because he had thought of nothing but that city which had appeared to him in such a strange way. He had never seen anything so magnificent and royal and he could not be reconciled with himself for having failed to save it usually he was not chicken-hearted but now he actually grieved for the beautiful buildings and the stately people both akka and the goosey-gander tried to convince thumbietot that he had been the victim of a dream or an hallucination but the boy wouldn't listen to anything of that sort he was so positive that he had really seen what he had seen that no one could move him from his conviction he went about so disconsolate that his travelling companions became uneasy for him just as the boy was the most depressed old Coxey came back to the flock she had been blown toward gotland and had been compelled to travel over the whole island BEFORE SHE HAD LEARNED THROUGH SOME CROWS THAT HER COMRADES WERE ON LITTLE CARL'S ISLAND. WHEN COXIE FOUND OUT WHAT WAS WRONG WITH THUMBETOT, SHE SAID IMPULSIVELY, IF Tot IS GRIEVING OVER AN OLD CITY, WE'LL SOON BE ABLE TO COMFORT HIM. JUST COME ALONG, AND I'LL TAKE YOU TO A PLACE THAT I SAW YESTERDAY. YOU WILL NOT NEED TO BE DISTRESSED VERY LONG. THEREUPON THE GEESE HAD TAKEN FAREWELL OF THE SHEEP and were on their way to the place which Coxey wished to show Tot. As blue as he was, he couldn't keep from looking at the land over which he travelled, as usual. He thought it looked as though the whole island had in the beginning been just such a high, steep cliff as Carl's Island, though much bigger, of course. But afterward it had in some way been flattened out, someone had taken a big rolling-pin and rolled over it as if it had been a lump of dough not that the island had become altogether flat and even like a bread-cake for it wasn't like that while they had traveled along the coast he had seen white lime walls with grottoes and crags in several directions but in most of the places they were leveled and sank inconspicuously down toward the sea In Gotland they had a pleasant and peaceful holiday afternoon. It turned out to be mild spring weather, the trees had large buds, spring blossoms dressed the ground in the leafy meadows, the poplars' long, thin pendants swayed, and in the little gardens which one finds around every cottage the gooseberry bushes were green. The warmth and the spring budding had tempted the people out into the gardens and roads, and wherever a number of them were gathered together they were playing. It was not the children alone who played, but the grown-ups also. They were throwing stones at a given point, and they threw balls in the air with such exact aim that they almost touched the wild geese. It looked cheerful and pleasant to see big folks at play and the boy certainly would have enjoyed it if he had been able to forget his grief because he had failed to save the city. Anyway, he had to admit that this was a lovely trip. There was so much singing and sound in the air. Little children played ring games and sang as they played. The Salvation Army was out. He saw a lot of people dressed in black and red, sitting upon a wooded hill, playing on guitars and brass instruments. On one road came a great crowd of people. They were good Templars who had been on a pleasure trip. He recognized them by the big banners with the gold inscriptions which waved above them. They sang song after song as long as he could hear them. After that the boy could never think of Gotland without thinking of the games and songs at the same time. He had been sitting and looking down for a long while, but now he happened to raise his eyes. No one can describe his amazement. Before he was aware of it, the wild geese had left the interior of the island and gone westward toward the sea-coast. Now the wide blue sea lay before him. However, it was not the sea that was remarkable, but a city which appeared on the seashore. The boy came from the east, and the sun had just begun to go down in the west. When he came nearer the city, its walls and towers and high gabled houses and churches stood there, perfectly black, against the light evening sky. He couldn't see, therefore, what it really looked like, and for a couple of moments he believed that this city was just as beautiful as the one he had seen on Easter night when he got right up to it he saw that it was both like and unlike that city from the bottom of the sea there was the same contrast between them as there is between a man whom one sees arrayed in purple and jewels one day and on another day one sees him dressed in rags yes this city had probably once upon a time been like the one which he sat and thought about this one also was enclosed by a wall with towers and gates, but the towers in this city, which had been allowed to remain on land, were roofless, hollow and empty. The gates were without doors. Sentinels and warriors had disappeared. All the glittering splendor was gone. There was nothing left but the naked gray stone skeleton. When the boy came farther into the city, he saw that the larger part of it was made up of small low houses but here and there were still a few high gabled houses and a few cathedrals which were from the olden time the walls of the gabled houses were whitewashed and entirely without ornamentation but because the boy had so lately seen the buried city he seemed to understand how they had been decorated some with statues, and others with black and white marble. And it was the same with the old cathedrals. The majority of them were roofless with bare interiors. The window openings were empty, the floors were grass-grown, and ivy clambered along the walls. But now he knew how they had looked at one time, that they had been covered with images and paintings, that the chancel had had trimmed altars and gilded crosses and that their priests had moved about arrayed in gold vestments the boy saw also the narrow streets which were almost deserted on holiday afternoons he knew he did what a stream of stately people had once upon a time sauntered about on them he knew that they had been like large workshops filled with all sorts of workmen but that which nils Holderson did not see was that the city even to-day was both beautiful and remarkable he saw neither the cheery cottages on the side streets with their black walls and white bows and red pelargoniums behind the shining window panes nor the many pretty gardens and avenues nor the beauty in the weed-clad ruins His eyes were so filled with the preceding glory that he could not see anything good in the present. The wild geese flew back and forth over the city a couple of times so that Thumbietot might see everything. Finally they sank down on the grass-grown floor of a cathedral ruin to spend the night. When they had arranged themselves for sleep, Thumbietot was still awake and looked up through the open arches to the pale pink evening sky. When he had been sitting there a while, he thought he didn't want to grieve any more because he couldn't save the buried city. No, that he didn't want to do, now that he had seen this one. If that city which he had seen had not sunk into the sea again, then it would perhaps become as dilapidated as this one in a little while. Perhaps it could not have withstood time and decay, but would have stood there with roofless churches and bare houses and desolate empty streets, just like this one. Then it was better that it should remain in all its glory down in the deep. It was best that it happened as it happened, thought he. If I had the power to save the city, I don't believe that I should care to do it then he no longer grieved over that matter. And there are probably many among you who think in the same way. But when people are old and have become accustomed to being satisfied with little, then they are more happy over the Visby that exists than over a magnificent Veneta at the bottom of the sea. End of chapter 14, part 2 Recording by Gerald Moe Tucker, Georgia.